Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. I'm so happy that you are here. I believe that God will strengthen you today through His Word by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I just want you to open your heart to receive the Word of God today, because I know that it will build you up and strengthen you and help you to continue on your journey with the Lord. Praise God. Now today let us receive the holy tithes and offerings. Let's bring those into the storehouse of God. I have a scripture that I would like to read to you today. I think that you may be familiar with this verse. Let's take a look at it today and extract some more goodies from it. This is Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Praise God. Well, Jesus starts out by saying, give, and it will be given to you. You know, this is a spiritual law. This, it, this is one of the key principles of the kingdom, which is that give, and it will be given. Pastor Stephen, what's that that you have in your hand? Oh, this is something that's been given to me. I get these uh, often uh, from those of you that are online ministry partners, online church members. This is just a sample. I'm only holding two. This is a Starbucks card. $20. You know, it's, it's not a $20,000 card, and that's just fine. This is I don't know if I'd want to carry a $20,000 Starbucks card. <laughs> you know, if you lose it, it's like losing cash. Uh, I, I don't even think they make them that high. But anyhow, this is a good old $20 uh, Starbucks card sent to me by a, a dear online church member. And I, I won't name names on these because I get these often, and I, I don't want to just thank one person. I want to thank all of you that do nice things like this. Give, and it shall be given. $20. And, uh, you know, I take these, I go to Starbucks, uh, Starbucks, $15, another card. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you probably got so many of those, you'll never expend them all. You'd be surprised, praise the Lord, how much uh, banana bread this man of God can consume. Hallelujah. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you're a man of prayer and fasting. Well, not all the time. <laughs> I have to eat, right? <laughs> I'm allowed to eat, praise the Lord. And uh, so I, I, one time my wife said, she said, Stephen, she, think I, she said, I think you, sometimes you just live off lattes and banana bread. I said, well, you know, uh, it does seem to be very uh, sustaining in some ways. So uh, I, I like Starbucks. I, I eat other things. That's not the only thing I live on. I, I try to eat things that are good and healthy. But uh, I'm one of, the, one of the people that actually thinks that coffee is good for you. Praise the Lord. So nevertheless, th those are things I like. But, you know, thank you. Thank you for these. And, you know, of course, I go through quite a few of these. And uh, so, yes, by God's grace, keep them coming. It's, it's the gift that keeps on giving, right? But, you know, this, th these are just acts by people that understand kingdom principles. Give, and it shall be given. When I grew up in church, I heard a statement made almost every Sunday that was inaccurate. Uh, it was well meant, it had good intentions, would even have the, the, the religious garb of maybe even appearing holy, 
but it was, un, it was unscriptural. Not only was it unscriptural, it doesn't even make sense in the natural. Here's what I heard every time the offerings were received. Now, it was never, it was never tithes and offerings when I grew up in church, because the church taught that uh, tithing was under the law, you don't have to tithe anymore. Well, that's one of the reasons why the pastor was always working a job on the side, because he never taught the people to tithe, never taught them that tithing was taking place before the law was ever instituted, never taught the people that Jesus, even in the New Covenant, um, you know, commended the tithe and that we need to be tithing, never, never taught things like that. So there was, uh, it was always a struggle for the, you know, the pastor to uh, make ends meet. But when I grew up in church, let me get back to my story, whenever the offerings were received, uh, they would all be picked up with, you know, past the basket, the baskets circulate to the front, and then it's all put up front, and before it's taken to the back, and, you know, put away into the office and count it later, a little prayer was made over the offering, and this is how it went. Lord, bless those who've given, and bless those also who were not able to give. In Jesus' name, amen. And then it was taken to the back and disappeared and uh, then used to uh, pay bills or pay, pay this pastor's salary or whatever is used for. But that little statement, I, I don't know why the deacons made that statement. I guess they were only doing what they heard, and they hear it. Now they pray the same little prayer, but it's really an unscriptural prayer. Lord, bless those who've given, and those who couldn't give or didn't give, bless them too. Well, that doesn't even make any sense. Now, can you imagine if we had uh, a bunch of farmers? Let's say we get 10 farmers together that farm for a full-time living, so they know principles of seed time harvest. They know how farming works. And can you imagine if some farmer stood up before 10 professional farmers and said, well, we want to pray for everybody. We want to pray for those who sowed seed, that they'll get a harvest, and those that didn't sow seed, that they'll get a harvest also. Well, those ten farmers are going to, somebody's probably going to interrupt the prayer and say, hey, uh, uh, I guess you have good intentions of praying, but that, uh, that, but it doesn't work like that. In other words, if you don't give, it's not going to be given. If you don't sow, you're not going to reap. Praise the Lord. Very, very interesting. I, I don't expect the world to understand this because the Lord said, My ways are higher than your ways. His ways are principles. His ways are kingdom laws that work all the time, day or night, uh, regardless of what country you, you live in. Uh, and if you will work His principles, you'll begin to rise. You'll begin to rise. Give, and it will be given unto you. That's where it all begins, right there. Well, Pastor Stephen, there are some who don't have anything to give. Well, if you don't have anything to give, you should really question your relationship with God, because God says in His Word that He'll give seed to the sower. So if you don't have anything to sow, maybe it's because you're not a giver. Maybe, God, maybe you really don't have anything because either you don't want to give, or you have no heart to give. But I find it I find it really unthinkable that a Christian wouldn't want to give, because when you are truly born again, when you are saved, now you have the nature of God. What is God's nature? God so loved the world that He gave, not an angel, not a backup plan, gave His own Son. So God has a giving nature, and when you are born again, now you have His nature, so you want to give. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, I'm mindful of the time Kenneth uh, Copeland, uh, the wonderful prophet of God, many years back, 
in great poverty, sitting in a meeting, hearing the prophet Kenneth Hagin teach, and Brother Copeland so moved by the teaching, so wanting to give, but not really having any extra money at all to give, said, God, what can I do to give in the offering? And Brother Copeland, in his great impoverished state, gave the only thing he had, which was a pencil. He, he put a pencil in the offering envelope. And uh, while he was leaving the service, somebody, one of these first-time events in his life type moment, somebody gave him a $10 bill. And he immediately took the $10 bill, went back to the church, got an envelope, and put it uh, into the offering. The offering had already been received, but he made sure that it was added to it. See, uh, until you activate this principle, it won't work. Give, and it will be given. Well, Pastor Stephen, I want it to be given. Well, then you need, you need to activate it. Give. Give. Woo! Giving is how you come out of lack. Now, this is amazing. This is amazing. The end part of this, uh, excuse me, of verse 638 says, For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you give with the measure of generosity, well, things will come back to you with generosity. If you give with like a, uh, you know, like that withholding attitude, never really wanting to give your best, well, that that's what's going to find its way into your life. Things that are kind of half-baked, never the way you really like it, always kind of like, uh, you know, never up to your standard, because you're not giving to your standard. Praise the Lord. You're giving on a very low level. But I believe that God measures the value of our gift by the value that we put on it. Did you know that God really from his perspective, he owns everything. He owns the universe, every planet, every star, owns the earth, everything on the earth, everything in the earth. He owns everything. So uh, value is, in a sense, God has it all. We are the ones, really, that determine before the Lord what has value, what's significant, what's insignificant. We're the ones that are able to put the price tag on it. Because, really, if you're giving doesn't move you, you can be guaranteed it's not going to move God. That doesn't mean you always need to like just pour everything out. That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe there are times when God wants you to do something sacrificial. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't move you and you can't really feel it when you give, well, God certainly, he's not moved by it either. Because why? Because we're the ones that assign value on our giving. Value on giving is not determined on the dollar numerical value or by adding an extra zero on the check. Because if you are a multimillionaire and you give $100, um, well, may, maybe in some settings $100 is a good offering, but for a millionaire, no, you're, see, with the same measure that you use, it's going to be measured back to you. So assign value to what it is that you're giving. And then you'll see value coming back in what you're receiving. In other words, if you have the ability to give a hundred and you know, maybe that's your max, but you give the hundred. Okay. Then that has very high value. But if that's small to you, then you are really giving it in an undervalued way. Somebody one time said, I'm uh, Pastor Stephen, I'm, I'm going to give the widow's might into your ministry. And I thought, wow, you're going to give everything you have? Oh, 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 no, no, Pastor Stephen, I just meant I'm giving a small offering. <laughs> well, the widow's might may have been small, but it has value. Why? She's giving everything she has. 
She's giving everything she has. That's what makes the widow's, vi- widow's might of value. Why? It's, it had value because that's all she had. So she could feel that. There are some people they give and they give, but they never really feel it. You know, they, they might give big to something else, but when it comes to the Lord, it's always real comfortable type giving. Praise God. Well, Jesus said, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So you can, you can give like teaspoon level, or you could give maybe like shovel level, or you could give dump truck level. Whatever level you're going to give, that and that exactly is what is going to come back to you. So I would just say be generous. Uh, that way you're getting the good measure pressed down, shaken together. Really now you're into the running over, which is the abundance, the overflow. That's where God wants you to be. So stay in that realm, work that realm, work Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I appreciate all of those who honor the Lord with their tithes, bringing their tithes into the storehouse, and even do things beyond the blessing of the ministry that even touched my life and uh, me and uh, Pastor Kelly in a personal way. We appreciate those things. We appreciate the gifts, the blessings. These are all people that have that had covenant understanding that when you give, it's given unto you. When you're when you give, you're not losing. Something's not being subtracted. What you're doing is you're setting yourself up for your giving to be multiplied so that you can have a far, a harvest. I think I think because most of us are not farmers, that a lot of these principles we have never really understood uh, because. Uh, maybe we we've had not had the background. You, you know, I, I think a hundred years ago we had a lot more of an agricultural environment. But today, uh, most of us don't even see farms. We we see the food in the grocery stores, and it's nice and clean. We don't even think about the origin of it, how it all got there. But it all it's all it's all seed time and harvest. Praise the Lord. So let's keep working that. Let's continue to give, and it will be given back in a very very generous measure. Praise God. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you that they're walking in the light of covenant principles of financial prosperity. We thank you that we give, and it's given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, so we can get as much in there as possible, and running over shall be given unto us. We thank you, Father, that we measure out generously when we give, and it's measured back to us in the same way coming back multiplied many times over. Father, we give you praise. We work your kingdom laws, and we thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you have helped us to discover them, and we apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Apply the truth. My friends, the truth will not do you any good if you do not apply it. You have to apply these teachings, these principles of the Lord, and work them, work them, work them. Pastor Stephen, I tried it once. No, it's your life. It's the way you live. The just shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what He said. So this is your lifestyle. This is the way you live. Glory, glory. <laughs> Amen. Woohoo! God is good. Amen. All right. Those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28654. Now, if you happen to uh, make a mistake and send them to the older address in Mooresville, that's okay. We still check that P.O. Box 
every day. But this is now our new address here in Moravian Falls. Praise the Lord. Now, those of you that are bringing in your tithes and offerings online, please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap, and you can go there right now and bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. And thank you for helping us continue to minister the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world. Praise God. Today, let's turn to Luke chapter 22 and discuss the Lord's purpose for pressure. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 22. As you're turning to Luke 22, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it has answers and solutions that we need for victory in everyday life. We thank you, Father God, that storms may come, trials may come, but we are passing through them. We're going from glory to glory, victory to victory. So, Father, if we're going from victory to victory, that must mean there are things that would contest that victory in the middle. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for taking us through. We hold to our faith in your word and your promise to perform your word. So we hold you to the integrity of your word, and we thank you that your word never fails. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in Luke chapter 22, and let's examine today verse 43. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. This is Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane, an old Hebrew word meaning oil press. Oil press. Those of you that have had the, the privilege of being able to visit the Holy Land there in Israel, and going to the exact spot where he prayed, because uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew tells us that this was in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know where that place is at. We know that this was a oil pr uh, uh, press area where all the, the, the olives were harvested, and then, of course, the oil was extracted. And the, and the way that you extract the oil is through pressure, running the very heavy millstone, that very heavy weight over the olives and squeezing out the precious oil that is contained therein. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Here you have Luke who is a doctor, writing in his gospel what the other three gospel writers did not mention, that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I tell you what, he was in agony. He was in a very, very pressure situation. In these situations, your body feels it. Your mind feels the weight and the, the strain. And it is a time where your spirit must be strengthened by God. My friends, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as those who know God's good plan, God's good will for our lives, as those who know that healing is included in the atonement, that God has a good plan for our finances, 
that God loves our children and has a plan for our children's lives, that God has a special career field for you that you can be anointed and be a great contributor into that area of your employment, or if you have a business owner where your, your, your product can be a blessing to people. Knowing all of these wonderful promises that we have in Christ, you must still understand that there will be trials, challenges in life. There will be things that sometimes pop up in life that would seem to come out of nowhere. And you're going to have to face these things. God has a purpose for pressure situations. Pressure situations. I think it's the most remarkable thing that at the moment Jesus was pressured the most, when, when even in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 34, in the same situation with, with Mark, writing from his perspective of it, Jesus said that his soul was under so much pressure that he was so exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. Well, the devil would certainly like to have killed the Lord there in the Garden of Gethsemane, preempting anything that was going to unfold later. The, the devil never could re really figure out the game plan that Jesus had. Paul the Apostle later said, had the, the Prince of Darkness understood what Jesus was really doing and the plan, he never would have crucified the King of Glory. Because when the devil did that, he actually sealed his own defeat. So he actually allowed a man to redeem back what the first man, Adam, had lost. And Satan thought he had it wrapped up because he thought there is no man who can do this. So he, he never understood the plan that Jesus had until after it was accomplished. Then it's too late. <laughs> Glory to God. But I tell you there in the garden, this was, this was a heavy-duty uh, smackdown moment. And th th this, was a, this was a battle. My friends, I'm, I'm not saying you're going to have a Garden of Gethsemane moment, anything like Christ faced. But I will say that you will have your own Garden of Gethsemane moments. God will never allow you to be tempted with more than you can bear. But that doesn't mean that you're going to escape pressure situations in life. And I, if I told you that you are that you're going to get exempted from them somehow, I would be lying to you. And what I would be saying would be unscriptural because these are things as believers that we face. Now, they don't endure forever. They do not last continually. There is no storm that just spins forever and ever. It, sooner or later, it's going to leave. It's the classic blow in, blow up, blow out. But while it's blowing in and while it's blowing up, you may find yourself there in the midst of it. What are you to do? When you stand on the Word, you work the promises of God, but yet that pesky illness or sickness or disease is still there. What do you do when the problem doesn't leave, and you fast, and you pray, but the situation, the troublesome situation, still seems to hang in the air? What do you do, my friends? Do you throw on the towel and quit? Do you cry? Do you mumble? Do you complain? Do you groan? Do you moan? I know many Christians who do. <laughs> and they misunderstand the whole purpose of the pressure. Praise the Lord. I do think it's amazing that in this great place of pressure, 
that Jesus went through where he is being pressed, that the natural location actually is symbolic of the spiritual place. Isn't that amazing? He's in an oil press where the olive must be pressed under extreme pressure in order to get the good out of it, the valuable extracted from it. The same thing has happened to Jesus in the very same place, but this is a spiritual press where he's under great, great, great crushing pressure. You know, I, I was talking to a minister one time that was believing the Lord for uh, the fulfillment of a very large project, and he was about halfway through it, and he was under a timeline where he needed to see a certain amount of money, a large amount of money come in, and he was in faith, but oh, the pressure that was on that man of God. And I, I tried to encourage him, but sometimes in situations like that, the pressure is so strong, it's almost like only Jesus Himself can lift you. Oh yes, you try to help a person like that, you pray for a person like that, but he's in a place where only God can hold him up. And God did hold him up, and all the money did come through. But I tell you what, the, the, I, I, could see, I could see the pressure on his face, even though he's praying, and even though he's trusting the Lord, he was going through his own garden of Gethsemane, and until you're in a place like that, you don't really understand what that's like, where you have to stand, and that's a place where everything you know, everything that you've studied, and everything that you've learned, now you must apply it. And really the bottom line is that when it's all said and done, you're going to have to just stand in faith. You're going to have to walk this thing out with the Lord, and you're going to have to stand in faith, and you're going to have to trust God. If you do that, you will come through. Praise the Lord. Let me give you a key that will really help you in the midst of any pressure situation. Maybe it's a, a trial against your body. Maybe a challenge in your family. Maybe your finances are being uh, challenged by the enemy. Let me give you a scripture, my friends. Praise the Lord. Verse 44, again of Luke 22. And being in agony. Now, if you have any type of agony, any type of Garden of Gethsemane experience, any type of thing where like, well, you're like Jesus, and you're like, Lord, you know, Father, help, you know, help, and, you, and you're really looking for the relief, you're looking for the conclusion of the matter, but you're still in that, you're still in the pressure. If you are in agony, here's, here's the key thing that you need to do, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Yes. Pastor Stephen, I identify, I feel that I myself am in, I'm in some type of Garden of Gethsemane pressure situation. What should I do? You need to pray like you've never prayed before. Yes. This is not the time to try to escape the pressure by just like uh, acting like it doesn't exist, because it won't go away. You need to pray, and you need to cry out to the Lord. And you need to have your moments of prayer where you, you just, uh, you talk it all over with the Lord, and I'm not talking about griping and grumbling sessions. That's not prayer, that's complaining. I'm talking about coming before the Lord and saying, oh, God deliver me by your mighty power, and worshiping Him, and praising Him, and trusting Him, even in the midst of it. And you just stand with the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Pray more earnestly. You'll also find that soul peace. You'll find that relief in your soul, and you do that. You do that, you keep working through that, you're going to have those rays of light that break through, even in the middle of a trial. 
that breakthrough and God touches your soul, God refreshes your spirit. He might even have to send an angel like you sent to Jesus. And you know what? You may have to walk through some challenges, but it's okay because God is with you. And when God is with you, you're headed somewhere good. I have found that anytime there is a pressure situation, that when you come through with it with the Lord and you come out on the other side, there is always blessing, promotion, peace, joy, greater than anything that you've experienced before. And God will make up and accommodate you for the uncomfortableness that you had to temporarily experience in the Gethsemane moment. Praise the Lord forever. Glory to God. Let's go now to 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's take a look at a day in the life of the Apostle Paul. Now remember, what I'm about to read to you concerning Paul was not his life experience. It was a, an experience of a brief moment. Don't take brief moment experiences that God only intended for a few weeks or a few days or maybe a few months and try to make it your life experience. That's not the purpose of pressure. It's not designed to last forever. It's only temporary. God will bring you through when you walk with Him. We're going now to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and let us drop down to verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble. Now, if you look this verse up in other translations, many of the other translations say pressure. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our pressure, which came to us in Asia. That would be modern-day Turkey. That we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Okay, same thing happened to Jesus, where even His soul was exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Now, Paul said that the pressure the, that he experienced was so difficult that he despaired almost unto life. It was that, it was that bad. It was that difficult. Woo! Pressure. Pastor Stephen, I would love to have an apostolic ministry. Okay, you will not be allowed to skip 2 Corinthians 1.8. Just, just be willing to embrace the cross. <laughs> Smile, all of you that are that that are desiring and are called in the apostolic grace. Smile, hallelujah, because there's grace to embrace the cross that Christ has for you. And if you're called to apostolic ministry, you will have those moments. You will have those moments where you think, Lord, are we even being effective, Lord? All that we've done, and look. Look at the results, and, 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 and Lord, all the hardships. But my friends, my friends, God sees it all. God sees it all. There's a purpose for the pressure. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. There's a purpose for your pressure. Allow it to lead you to the Lord. Not to the bar or the saloon. Allow the pressure to, yes, drive you to your knees to pray. Yes, not to lose your mind, to pray. 
Glory to God. <laughs> I do think there are some Christians that really, they'll never pray unless there's pressure. And out of that experience, finally, a prayer life, a prayer devotional life is finally formed. How was it formed? It was formed during times of pressure. <laughs> Glory to God. Something is extracted. That's where the oil was extracted. And now you know how to keep the oil flowing. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was in, in a, a church in Southern California where the pastor was sharing a moment where he missed God, a good pastor. And he was, I liked this pastor. He was really good on teaching the spiritual gifts. That was really his, his specialty was the area of the spiritual gifts, the nine spiritual gifts. But he talked about the time that he traveled out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to attend one of the large camp meetings hosted by Reverend Kenneth Hagin. Of course, Brother Hagin has now go on, has gone on to be with the Lord in heaven. But, you know, these were large meetings where they would rent out the Tulsa Convention Center. Brother Hagin would host these meetings. This pastor from uh, Southern California was there because he graduated from Rama and he was close to the Hagin family, so he was allowed to sit on the platform where only the closest speakers, uh, the, you know, special speakers were allowed to uh, sit. And so this pastor said that he's sitting up there on the platform. He's happy. This, you know, this is a happy moment for him. This is the big convention. He's, he's allowed to sit on the platform. But he sees, he sees Kenneth Hagin coming up the steps to the platform to get ready for one of the main services. They're, they're about to start stadium you know, the Colosseum is full of people, thousands and thousands of people. And this pastor said, the Holy Spirit came on me, and I could see Kenneth Hagin as he's coming up the steps. He's laboring to come up the steps. He's not physically laboring, although there was probably some physical fatigue because of the great pressure he was under. Until you host a conference with 40,000 people, it's probably hard to understand all the problems and all the complexities and all the things that can go wrong and oftentimes do go wrong in situations like that. Um, even with a lot of prayer and the blessing of the Lord and everybody being blessed and people being saved, you have a lot of challenges where things can happen and, you know, problems that you have to work through and things like that. So the pastor never knew what the problem was. All he could, all he could see as he's seen in the spirit is that Kenneth Hagin, the mighty prophet of God is under great pressure. And brother Hagin coming up the steps is laboring even to lift his head up. And this pastor watched as brother Hagin was trying to come up the steps, and the Spirit of God came over the pastor who's sitting up there uh, on, with the select chairs of those who are the privileged speakers to be, uh, you know, up, on the po up by the podium. And that, that pastor said, the Holy Spirit came on me, and the Holy Spirit impressed upon me, quickly jump up and shout hallelujah. And the pastor suppressed that. And he said, the he, that pastor said the moment he suppressed that urge to do that, he said, Brother Hagin, with great effort, looked up at him, and when he saw that that pastor had suppressed that, Brother Hagin's head just sank back down like that in great sorrow. 
suddenly that pastor said, no sooner had I disobeyed the Holy Spirit, when down at the end of the section, another pastor, another man of God jumped up. John Osteen, the father of Joel Osteen. John Osteen jumped up and shouted, Hallelujah! And when he did that, it broke the spirit of heaviness off Brother Hagin. Joy began to break out all over the auditorium, and it was just a glory feast from then on. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin ministered freely and in the power of the Spirit, and all of that heaviness was broken through one man who chose to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. See, my friends, the pressure. The pressure can just leave in a moment, hallelujah. But I tell you what, even with pressure like that, I'm sure I'm I'm still glad that Brother Hagin decided to hold the meetings. Some people would be like, I'm never going to hold meetings like that again. They're too they're they're too much pressure. <laughs> oh, but so many people saved, so many people filled with the Spirit and ministered to and receiving blessings from God. Thank God from those for those who are willing to go through pressure for the sake of obedience to Christ. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us in whom we trust, that He will still deliver us. There is a purpose for your pr uh, pressure to allow you to lean on the Lord, to trust the Lord. He will always bless you and bring you through, but you must trust Him, and you must lean on Him. Even in the midst of pressure, of a pressure of a trial of a Gethsemane moment, a great, beautiful, wonderful saint of God, Saint Faustina, the apostle that God raised up, this wonderful young woman that God raised up to carry the message to the world. She's not just a local apostle, she was a global apostle to carry the message to the world of God's divine mercy. The crowning attribute of God, mercy. Mercy. Wow. What a ministry. Uh, I would encourage you to read her diary, the diary of Saint Faustina. Glory to God. One of the greatest books outside of the Bible that you will ever read. And one day while there at, at the nun convent where she lived at, one of the nuns came up to her and said, uh, Sister Faustina, please, please pray for me. I've confessed my, my sins before the Lord. I've confessed my sins before uh, the, the priest, but I still feel like God hasn't forgiven me. And Sister Faustina said, well, what did the priest say when, that, when you confessed your sins? What did he say? Oh, he said, your sins are forgiven. Everything's right between you and the Lord. But she said, I, I just, you know, I just don't know if God's really forgiven me or not. She said, well, God, if you've confessed him and you've done what the Word said, you've done it sincerely, God has forgiven you of your sins. Oh, well, I, I know that's what, what you're selling, telling me is correct, the, the, the nun said. But she said, oh, uh, Sister Faustina, you pray for me because I know that you hear from God. And she said, no, I'm not going to pray for you. You just need to believe what the priest said and what the Word says, and you, you know, you're okay. Oh no, Sister Faustina, you need to pray for me. She said, all right, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I shouldn't have to do this for you, but I'm going to pray for you. And she went before the Lord, and she said, Lord, what, what do you think about Sister so-and-so? She, she thinks you haven't forgiven her. The Lord says, I have forgiven her. But the former sins that she committed, 
all of those sins I've forgiven, but what grieves me more than even the sins that I've forgiven, what, would, what grieves me more is her unbelief, her unbelief in me that I would forgive her sins. Her unbelief wounds me more than all the sins she committed that I've already forgiven. <laughs> so, so Sister Faustina went back and told the nun that, you know, her fellow convent sister, and of course, when the nun heard it, she was like, oh, well, she rejoiced that she knew that, yes, I'm forgiven. Uh, and she, you know, like, okay, I'm going to start believing the Lord now. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe sometimes you get a little extra grace moment like that from God. But really, really, we should believe the Lord. Even during times of darkness, even during times of trial, even during Gethsemane of moments, when it may seem like all is lost, even when the Apostle Paul, we were pressured beyond measure. Even during times like that, yes, you're still going to have to buckle down and believe God. And it's okay to know that you're under pressure, but just tell the Lord, Lord, in the midst of this, I just want you to know, I still believe I receive every blessing that you've promised me. And it may not look like it's going to happen, but it's still going to happen because your word can not ever fail. And it will not fail in my life. I still believe you. Hallelujah. If you do, if you do that, <laughs> you're about ready to get certified and stamped that your pressure test has passed and now you're ready to now you're ready to go on glory to the lord you know um a great man of god i i won't tell you his name but understand in the spirit on the earth in the spirit realm those that are really pushing to be close to lord there is a race that a lot in the church are totally clueless about there is a race, believe it or not, to see who can be closest to the Lord. While you're on this planet alive, well, Pastor Stephen, when I die, I go to heaven. You watch, I'm going to be really holy then. <laughs> yeah, we all will be then. We, we will be fully, fully clothed in the image of the Lord then. But there, there is a race on the earth right now of who can be closest to the Lord. Mm. There's a top five. There's a top ten. Let me tell you this right now. Those that are in the top five, I would probably say that out of 99.9% .9 of you watching me, you, would, you, have, you have no idea who's in the top five. Because they're not what we would call well-known ministers. They're well-known to the Lord. And they do have very dynamic and effective ministries. But most of them are not what you would call well-known the Lord judges and grades very, very differently than what man does. Mm, mm, mm. One of these great men that was in the top five, one of these pastors talked about the time he was in a great trial. He's pastoring a church, and the church wants to go this direction, and the Holy Spirit wants to go this direction. And he's caught in the middle of all this. He's a shepherd of the sheep, and the sheep are, you know, the shepherd loves the sheep, and the sheep are having a difficult time, you know, coming into the things of God, so they're being, they're being what sheep can be sometimes. And uh, Holy Spirit's trying to help, and, and he just felt like he's just like caught in the middle, trying to serve God. And he's going to serve the Lord, but having mercy and compassion on the people and trying to help the people. 
and he he felt like he was under so much pressure. He was about he was just about he 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 almost wanted to get out of the ministry. And that night he said he had a dream. <laughs> Woo! God still speaks. Hallelujah! And he had a dream, and he saw he saw an olive press, the great wheel. One one of the wheels of the olive press was turning this way. And the other wheel of the olive press was turning this way, and he saw an olive caught in the middle being crushed by the two revolving presses. And the Lord said, you're that olive. And this pressure situation that you're in of endeavoring to obey me while also trying to minister to my people, this great pressure situation, the Lord said, is what I've allowed for you to be under so that the oil that I want to flow out of your life, the mature image of my son might be formed in you. You cannot get a diamond without pressure. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But you're not always in pressure. You're not always there. There's a purpose for it. Once the purpose is accomplished, then you step out in the beauty that God has fashioned you to be in the image of His Son. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Let me jump back to St. Faustina just a moment. She told another story where one of her spiritual superiors was going through a great trial of pressure. And she, she actually said, I don't see how he can stand it. The, the trial that this man was under was so incredible, she couldn't in her natural mind see how he's even standing, holding up, and surviving it. And she began to pray for this man, very godly man, and she said to the Lord, because she had an encounter with the Lord, and in, during this encounter she asked him about this, this wonderful man of God, and she said, Jesus, she said, why do you treat him like that? And Jesus said, for the sake of his triple crown. Woo! <laughs> She's like, oh, no wonder. <laughs> no wonder. Jesus wanted that man to receive a triple crown. Mm. And in order to be able to receive and wear a crown of such worth that would be awaiting him when he went to heaven, he would have to walk through this life experience while here on the earth. Oh, it's not a, it, it doesn't last all your life, but there can be a, a moment, maybe it lasts for months, maybe even a little longer, where the pressure is there. Now, during those moments, let God work. Do not run out of the Garden of Gethsemane. Stay on your knees and let the Lord accomplish His work. And it's just like a watch. A real high-end watch, if it's a certified diver's watch, certified by some of these very, you know, there's a one particular high-ranking Swiss certification testing institute that it, that, that watch is going to be tested under great pressure, and it must not leak, it must not have, you know, um, any effects of humidity or, or perspiration or anything like that. If it passes the pressure test, it's now stamped and certified and quite worthy of being a luxury watch and valued at a very high dollar amount. 
Why? It's passed the pressure test. My friends, don't leave the Garden of Gethsemane. Let the Lord take you out, and let the Lord take you through every trial, and you will see on the other side the pure oil flowing in your life, and you can't get it flowing any other way without pressure. Glory to God. But you're going to come through. I don't know a single great man or woman of God who has not had their Garden of Gethsemane moments. You'll have those times. But greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. There is nothing so big or challenging that you could ever face that Jesus cannot walk with you in it and through it and take you all the way out on the other side into that next level of blessing. Hallelujah. You're almost there already. So, Pastor Stephen, what do I do? Pray, 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 worship, worship, worship. No complaining. Not one word of complaint about anything. Let that be your goal this week and henceforward. A great man of God was in the land of Israel on a tour group, leading a tour group. I think it was during the month of May, which those of you that have been there at that time know it can be sweltering hot sweltering hot. <laughs> we were in a tent one time in the month of May, and about half the people in the tent were about ready to pass out. Some of the, some of the people on our tour from the Scandinavian countries were just, I mean, it was about to wipe them out. They, they were almost completely passed out. I'm, you're talking blistering heat. But this wonderful man of God said that he was there and on tour, and some of the people on the tour began to complain, it's so hot. Oh, it's so hot. And it, and it was hot. But they begin to complain, it's so hot. It's so hot. And he said, he began to say, yes, it's so hot. And suddenly he said, the spirit of prophecy came on him. And he opened up his mouth and began to speak. And Jesus prophesied through him. And Jesus said, oh, I love Israel. I love Israel. And the, the, and the, the man of God picked up on it. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I love the temperature. I love the weather in Israel. I love Israel. <laughs> because when Jesus says, I love Israel, you'd better love Israel too. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Pastor, it's cold, so cold. Praise God for the cold. Hallelujah. When you're in your Canaan land, praise God for everything about it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Glory. Mm, glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. You're passing out of the pressure situation. You're moving past the Garden of Gethsemane. And you're stepping into your next level of blessing. And you're going to shine. And the pure golden oil is going to flow from you. Hallelujah. Christ. The mature image of Christ seen by others in you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, I pray for your people today that they'll shine bright in your kingdom, that they'll praise you in the garden, they'll cry out to you in the garden, that they'll pray more earnestly in the garden. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for strength. Now, strengthen your people. In the name of Jesus, you have destined them for greatness. You have destined them to scale great heights in you. Father, strengthen them in the name of Jesus.
Amen. Praise God forever. Let's take communion together. Pastor Stephen, can we take communion in the garden? Yes, yes we can. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. One, one time I was in the Garden of Gethsemane. They're in Jerusalem. And uh, the, the, the tour guide was just talking about olives and how the olives were, you know, the oil was extracted there. And he, he just happened to, you know, none of this was scripted or anything like that. He, he passes me an olive. And I, I took the olive in front of all the people on the, on the tour. And I said, yeah, I said, Jesus was crushed here in the garden, just like this olive was. And I crushed the olive and fragrance, supernatural fragrance of frankincense just went whoop everywhere, all over, all over everybody. Oh, the fragrance of Christ, the image of Christ. See, you need to understand the workings of God, understand the purpose of the press of the pressure. Look, it's, it's not anything that any of us like. Nobody likes pressure. Everybody likes stability, calm, peace. Everybody likes that, including yours truly. But there are some Gethsemane moments, oil press moments, that are on the calendar that God has for you. And you must be there in your Gethsemane. And let the work of the Spirit be accomplished. After all, these are times angels show up. These are times miracles happen. These are times where the oil, the flow, the fountainhead of the flow of the oil is, for, is formulated in your life. Praise God forever. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh of Jesus. This is now the blood of Jesus, and we receive it as thus. Father, we give you praise. All believers, come on, celebrate the resurrection of Christ with me. Take communion with me together. We are body believers taking communion together around the world. Father, we receive now the flesh of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. We receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat. Are you ready to receive the blood of Jesus? Trouble doesn't last always. Trouble leaves, pressure leaves, and you go in too the higher level of blessing that God's prepared for you. Glory to God. Father, we receive the blood of Jesus in faith, staying in faith on the promises of your word. Thank you, Father God. They are true forever, and your word is working mightily in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us receive the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we give you glory and praise. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We praise you. We praise you. Now, Father, may our tongues, may our tongues be circumcised from any fleshly talk, grumbling, mumbling, even things that would be disguised complaining. Father, may it be severed by your Spirit. May praise flow. May faith-filled words flow.
Oh God, we bless your name. We thank you. May shouts of your greatness be spoken forth from our mouths and upon our tongues. Father, we praise you that you are doing mighty things for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, thanks for watching today. I'll see you back next week. God bless you. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.